0: Turning your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 49, Genesis 49, I want to begin reading at verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a whale whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we pray that you would help us to have the attitude of heart, to fill our cup this morning from the treasures and the glories of your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday night, we began looking at Israel's words to his son Joseph. And in that message, we looked at Joseph through the lens of Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Those verses, along with verse 22 here, sum up Joseph's spiritual life. But we also saw that living godly in Christ Jesus, delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating in it day and night, and living and manifesting it in his life, and bringing forth much fruit, brings persecution to the life. It makes you a target of the archers. And we talked about those archers who sorely grieved and shot at and hated Joseph. In verse 24, we saw that in the face of all these things, that Joseph's bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. God's strength was made perfect in Joseph's weakness. This morning, we want to look at the last part of this 24th verse. And in particular, we want to think about this parenthetical statement that Israel makes to Joseph. Here in this 24th verse, Israel reminds Joseph of the source of his strength. And that source is the mighty God of Jacob. But then he adds this thought that is in parentheses. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Those words have a double meaning. I believe that they can apply to Joseph. Last week we mentioned Psalm 105. This psalm that recounts. The history of the nation of Israel. And we read in verse 17 there that God sent Joseph before his brothers and before his father and before their families. And God sent Joseph there in his providence to be a shepherd, to be a stone to this fledgling nation of 70 people there in the land of Egypt. As a shepherd, Joseph led and fed his people. He fed them literally. And as a stone in being the number two person in the government of Egypt, he supported his people there. But whenever we read these words, shepherd and stone, our thoughts immediately over and above Joseph should be drawn to the good shepherd. Our thoughts should be drawn to the stone which the builders rejected, the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see Joseph in this verse. We see Jesus. And the Spirit of God has spoken these words through Israel this way, I believe, to draw our minds to see Joseph as a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he's the most detailed picture of the Lord Jesus that we find in all of the Old Testament. And it's important to think about that. In John chapter 5, the Lord Jesus told the Jews, search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. And the scriptures that he was telling them to search were the Old Testament scriptures. That's all they had. We read that verse today, and he's telling us to search all of the scriptures. But then they were to search the Old Testament scriptures, and the reason, the Lord Jesus said, is because they are they which testify of me. After his resurrection, when the Lord was walking with the two men on the road to Emmaus, Luke tells us in chapter 24 and verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded, that word means to unfold the meaning of what is said. The Lord Jesus expounded, he unfolded the meaning of what is said in all the scriptures, all of these Old Testament scriptures, the things concerning himself. And then in verse 44, he was talking to his disciples and he told his disciples that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. The Old Testament scriptures testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that includes all the scriptures that have to do with the life of Joseph. It's hard not to see the Lord Jesus in the life of this man. We saw last week, or Sunday night, that Joseph was hated by his brethren. They were among the archers that we read about in verse 23. That was true of the Lord Jesus. In John 1.11, we read, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. In John chapter 7 and verse 5, we're told that the Lord's own brethren did not believe in him. David prophesied of that rejection in psalm 69 and verse 8 where we read of the lord i am a become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children and as a result of the hatred of joseph's brethren they took counsel to kill him look back at genesis chapter 37 if you will we want to going to kind of work our way back through these scriptures this morning look at Genesis chapter 37 and verse 18 and when they that's Joseph's brethren when they saw him afar off even before he came near unto them they conspired against him to slay him and they said one to another behold this dreamer cometh come now therefore and let us slay him In Matthew chapter 21, the Lord Jesus gave a parable to the chief priests and the elders of the people. And in that parable, he told of a householder who planted a vineyard and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when it came time to get fruit from the vineyard, the householder began to send his servants to receive the fruit. And the Lord told how the husbandman husbandmen of that vineyard took the servants of this householder and some they beat and some they stoned and some they killed and last of all the householder said I'm going to send my son because they will reverence my son but they didn't. Matthew 21 and verse 38 tells us but when the husbandmen saw the son they said among themselves this is the heir come let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And that's exactly what these husbandmen did to the householder's son. They caught him and cast him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. That's what happened to Joseph. When Jacob sent Joseph to his brothers to check on their welfare, this was no doubt the thought that went through his mind. I think on some level that... Jacob understood something of the animosity because of Joseph's dreams, the animosity that his brothers had to them, had for him. But he had this same thought, I believe. They will reverence my son. They're not going to kill their brother. But they didn't reverence him. They said exactly what the husbandman said Come now, therefore. Verse 20, and let us slay him. This is the heir, the husbandman said. Come, let us kill him. And they did kill Joseph, not literally, but practically they killed him because they removed him out of their sight. They removed him from their lives and they staged the circumstances in such a way that Jacob believed that Joseph was dead. All of this pictures. What happened to the Lord Jesus Christ? Matthew tells us that when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard this parable, they perceived that he spake of them, and they sought to lay hands on him. All through the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus, the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees were seeking to kill him, just as Joseph's brethren sought to kill him. And so here in Genesis 37, we see the hatred of Joseph's brethren for him and the desire that they had to kill him. And it pictures to us the hatred of the nation of Israel for the Lord Jesus to this day, to this day. After the October 7th attack on Israel, Brother Vic Allen went up to Uh, the Support Israel rally in Washington. And he was talking about how he was able to talk to some of the Jewish people that were there. And the conversations went well until one thing, and Brother Vic mentioned the name Jesus. Don't want to talk about that. Brother Dwight was talking recently about a Jew, a Jewish man that he knew, And became friendly with, and the friendship seemed to be going well until Brother Dwight witnessed to this Jewish man. And that Jewish man looked at Dwight and he said, I would rather my children be dead than to believe what you believe. His attitude, the same as it was in Pilate's Judgment Hall, isn't it? We have no king but Caesar. His blood be upon us and upon our children, and it has been. Seventy-nine years ago yesterday, Auschwitz was liberated, and the horrors of the Holocaust began to be fully revealed, fully revealed. And when the fullness of it was known, six million Jews were exterminated. His blood be upon us and upon our children. Jewish people appreciate the support of Christians. They appreciate that. We're among the only friends they have when you get right down to it. But they do not appreciate our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. They hate him to this day. We see that hatred in the life of Joseph. But that's not all that we see in this 37th chapter of Genesis. We, we see Joseph's betrayal by his brethren. He sold for the price of a slave. He sold to the Midianites for 20 pieces of silver. That was the value of someone who was 17 years old. The Lord Jesus was betrayed by his own familiar friend in whom he trusted, which did eat of his bread. That familiar friend lifted up his heel against the Lord Jesus. Matthew 26 and verse 14, we read, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests, And said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. The Lord Jesus was betrayed. He was sold for the price of a slave. In Exodus 21 and verse 32, we read about the value of a slave. We read there that if an ox shall push a manservant or a maidservant, he shall give unto their master 30 shekels of silver. That was the value of a slave. The value of a servant. Zechariah prophesied of the price of the Lord Jesus. Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 12. So they weighed for my price. 30 shekels of silver. And so in Genesis 37. In the hatred and the rejection. And the betrayal of Joseph. By his brethren. We see the hatred and the rejection and the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ by his brethren, the nation of Israel. In Genesis 39, if you look over there, we see Joseph on trial. We see him falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. She was one of the archers that sorely grieved Joseph and shot at him and hated him. We talked about last Sunday night. And yet in the midst of the false accusation against him, Joseph opened not his mouth. In Mark chapter 14, we read about the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ before the high priest and the Sanhedrin. And we read there that the chief priest and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, just like Potiphar's wife did to Joseph but their witness agreed not together. And in the midst of this so-called trial and the false accusations against the Lord, the one thing that stood out to the high priest is the silence of the Lord Jesus. So much so that the high priest says in Mark chapter 14 and verse 60, he asked the Lord, answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? And then we read these words concerning the Lord. But he held his peace and answered nothing. Exactly what Isaiah prophesied. In chapter 53 and verse 7, he says, The Lord Jesus was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. We see these things that took place in the life of the Lord pictured to us in the life of Joseph as he stands in silence before his accuser. In verse 20, Joseph is condemned and taken to the place of judgment. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. And then we come to Genesis chapter 40, and we find Joseph in this place of judgment. We find him in this place of pain and suffering. Last Sunday night, we looked at Psalm 105 and verse 18, where we read, They hurt Joseph's feet with fetters. He was laid in iron. Here in Genesis 40, in the life of Joseph, I want us to see that there is a very detailed picture of the cross of Calvary. There's a very detailed message here of the gospel. As we look at this place of suffering and judgment, we see three people. There's Joseph, there's the chief uh, butler, and the chief baker of the king of Egypt. And that brings before our minds the cross. Because it's the same scene at Calvary. We see that it's a, a place of pain and suffering and judgment. And we know that there are, or we see that there are three men in this place of judgment. There's the Lord Jesus. There are two thieves there with him. Here in this prison in Egypt, we see Joseph. And yet he's done nothing wrong. He's innocent. Joseph was in this place of judgment because he had been rejected. He had been sold into slavery. He had been falsely accused. As we look at the Lord on the cross of Calvary. We look at him there in this place of judgment and pain and suffering. He was there because he had been rejected. He was there because he had been sold for the price of a slave. He was there because he had been falsely accused. These scriptures testify of the Lord Jesus. Remember? Search the scriptures. They are they which testify of me, and they do. Here's Joseph in this place of pain and suffering, and he's innocent. He's innocent. But what about the butler and the baker? They're in this same place. But the difference between them and Joseph is that they deserved to be there. Look at Genesis chapter 40 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. The butler and the baker had offended. That word offended means to sin. They were in prison. They were in this place of suffering because they had sinned against the king. But the picture and the message here is that over and above the king of Egypt, the butler and the baker were in this place of judgment because they had sinned against the king. They'd sinned against God. They're a picture of you and me. We must see that. They're a picture of you and me. We come into this world and we are born into a prison, if you will. We come into this world and we are immediately in the place of condemnation and judgment and we deserve to be there. Psalm 51 and verse 5 tells us that we were shapen in iniquity and in sin that our mothers conceived us. The wicked we read in Psalm 58 and verse 3. That's us. That's you and me. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Jeremiah tells us that we have a heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And in Mark chapter 7, the Lord Jesus gives us something of the depths of the wickedness of our heart. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, lasciviousness unbridled lust, all of these things proceed from our hearts. We're just like the butler and the baker. We deserve to be in this place of judgment because we have sinned against the king. We've sinned against God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so here in Genesis chapter 40, we have the guilty butler, we have the guilty baker, we have the innocent Joseph. Just as we have the two guilty thieves with the innocent Son of God in the place of pain and suffering and judgment at Calvary. And what we want to see is that what happened here in this prison in Egypt is exactly what happened at Calvary. Look at chapter 40 and verse 4. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. It's so important to think about the language in this verse. In the place of suffering and death, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. The captain of the guard charged innocent Joseph with the guilty butler and the guilty baker. That's what happened on the cross, folks. God charged the innocent one, the Lord Jesus, with us. He charged him with our sin. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. And then the next words of this fourth verse are incredible, if you think about it. And he served them. Joseph served them, the innocent one who was charged with the guilty, served the guilty. That's what the Lord Jesus did. Philippians chapter 2, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But there's something else here that brings before our minds what took place on the cross. One of these men was delivered from judgment and death. One of these men had his head lifted up and he was saved. The other man experienced judgment and death. The other man had his head lifted from off him. The other man was hung on a tree. And the question that the Spirit of God would have us to consider is what's the difference between these two men? Where do we see the difference between them? The answer is their dreams. Both of these men have a dream. And the first one to tell his dream to Joseph is the butler. Look at chapter 40 and verse 9. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth. And the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. The butler's dream begins with a vine. Behold, a vine was before me. I to make us think about the Lord Jesus. John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus said, I am the true vine. The vine here is a picture of him. The butler's dream begins with the Lord Jesus. There he is before him. And notice the message that's presented here concerning the Lord. Behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches and it was though it budded and her blossoms shot forth and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. The butler sees a vine. And it's lifeless. It's dead. But it has three branches. And Joseph tells us in verse 12 that those branches are three days. And in verse 10... Look what happened to the vine on the third day. It was as though it budded and her blossom shot forth. After three days, this dead vine came to life. That's what happened to the Lord Jesus. On the third day, he rose again. And look at the language. And the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. On the third day, this vine brought forth fruit. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20 tells us, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now look at verse 11. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. That is salvation. That is salvation. Psalm 116 and verse 12 says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? The next verse tells us, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the Lord. That's what the butler is doing here. The cup of salvation is in his hand. He takes the grapes, the grapes that God provided. The butler didn't make the grapes. And he presses them. He presses them. He takes his fingers and he puts his hand on those grapes and he presses them. The butler identifies with the person and work of Christ, he identifies with the Lord's death. The Lord was charged with his sin and he paid the price with his precious blood that's symbolized by the fruit of the vine that was pressed into Pharaoh's cup. The Lord Jesus said at the first, when when he instituted the Lord's Supper, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. And it's the only thing that God will accept for the remission of our sins. And when the butler offered the blood of the grape to Pharaoh, The king took the cup. He accepted it and he lifted up the head of the butler. These verses provide an amazing and detailed picture of salvation. As we search these scriptures, we find that they are they which testify of the Lord Jesus. But what about the baker? Well, look at verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. The baker still baking. The baker is still trying to save his life. Notice he says that in the uppermost basket, he's got three baskets, but there's one that's uppermost. In the uppermost basket, there was all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh. This book is a wonderful book. Because every time you, you come back to a portion of Scripture, and you think to yourself, Well, you know, um, I guess we've gotten all the goody out of this. I guess we've gotten all the royal dainties out of this passage of Scripture. No, we haven't. That word baked meats in verse 17 is an important word. First of all, it's it's not a noun. When I read the word baked meats, I thought, well, that's a noun, baked meats. It's a verb. It's a verb when you look it up in the the Hebrew dictionary of the Strong's Concordance. And it's made up of two Hebrew words. The first one means deed. It means work. It means labor. The second word means bake. And so what that word is telling us is that literally... The baker is baking up his own works and his deeds and his labors to offer to the king. But that's not acceptable to the king. That's not acceptable to God. A man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Christ. For by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Folks, God is not interested in all manner of baked meats. He's not interested in all of the works and the labors and the deeds that we can cook up to present to him. He's not interested in that. Whether it be church membership, whether it may uh, be giving money, singing in the choir, teaching in the, whatever it is. He's not interested in that. He will accept one thing and one thing only. The bread of God which came down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. It's the only bread that God will accept. He's not going to accept all manner of baked meats. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? And do you believe it in a way that you have given up yourself and you've given up your works and you've forsaken every little plan that you have to save yourself? And you've cast yourself upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not accept the works of our hands. He will only accept the finished work of the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. The baker, he didn't hear that message of the death of the true vine. He didn't hear the message of the resurrection. He didn't hear the message of the cup of salvation. He didn't hear the message... Of the opportunity to be saved. The baker did not hear the fact. That we crucified the Lord Jesus. We pressed and squeezed him. We caused all the pain. We caused all the pain. The, the baker didn't hear the message. Of, of the personal identification. With the death of Jesus Christ. We squeezed our grapes of gall. We screamed, squeezed the grapes of the venom. And the poison of our sin. And the one who drank that cup. Down to the bitter dregs. Down to the dirt. That's what the dregs are. The, the refuse. The filth. The waste. That's what the dregs are. And their words that perfectly describe our sin. The Lord Jesus looked into that cup. There in the garden of Gethsemane. You remember what he prayed? Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Can you imagine how horrible that cup was? But then he said these wonderful words, Not my will, but thine be done. The baker didn't acknowledge that the Lord Jesus died the death that he should have died, that we should have died. The baker missed the message. He missed it because he was too busy seeing the interpretation that he wanted to see, hearing the interpretation that he wanted to hear. And what he saw was his his head being lifted up. What he saw was him, uh, him being restored to his place and to his position. That's further illustrated to us in the contrast between these two men. The butler offered to the king what was provided for him. The butler brought in his hand. We see that um, Pharaoh in verse 11, Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. The butler brought in his hand. One of the things that the hand speaks to us all. And in particular, the left hand. I'm not saying he has this cup in his left hand, but I wouldn't be surprised when we get to glory that we'll find out that that's exactly where it was. Because the left hand speaks to us of submission and surrender. It's the attitude of heart that the butler had toward the king. And in contrast, we have the baker. He brought baked meats He he didn't bring what the king had provided. He brought what he had made with his own hands, and he brought it not in his hand, on his head. The head in the Bible speaks to us of authority. The chief baker was willing, like so many people are today. The chief baker was willing to come before the king, but he wasn't willing to come in submission and surrender. He was only willing to come in the power and in the strength of his own authority. And this morning, every person in this room is either like the butler. You've trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior. One day very soon, the king is going to lift up our heads. Or you're like the baker. Head held high. Head unbowed, living under your own authority, unwilling to submit and surrender your heart to the Lord Jesus. And one day, if you continue in that way, your end will be like this baker. Look at verse 18. Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof the three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. It's worth noting that verse 19 is the first mention of hanging on a tree in the Bible. And what is so important to see is that it's a man who's given that sentence, it's a man. And it's like that because that's what we deserve. We we hear in this church all the time. We deserve death. We deserve judgment. We deserve hell. We deserve the lake of fire for all eternity. This is an example of that. We deserve to be hung on a tree because cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. The good news this morning. It's the gospel. Search the scriptures, they are they which testify of me. The good news this morning is that in these scriptures that testify of the Lord Jesus, the message that the baker would not hear, the message that is illustrated is that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. And how did he do that? By being made a curse for us. For it is written. It's written in Deuteronomy 21 and verse 23. He that is hanged upon the tree is accursed of God. And the Lord Jesus was hanged upon the tree. He was accursed of God in those three hours of darkness. When he took our sins. When he was charged with us. The just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. This morning, if you're lost, you need to hear that message. Right now, right where you are. You need to hear that message and believe that message. And in surrender and and submission, take the cup of salvation that God provides And call upon the name of the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the life of Joseph. We thank you that as we look at it here, we see so clearly the need to search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. In every word, in every verse, if we just had the ability to see it, and our ability is only hindered by our own stubbornness, and our own desire to have our way, our desire to go on and live our life and Spend so little time here in your word. We pray that you might speak to any here who are lost today. That they might take the cup of salvation that the Lord Jesus has provided at the cost of his own life and call upon you. And Father, those who are saved today, we pray that we would rejoice in the great salvation that you've provided. Delivering us from so great a death We deserve to be hanged on a tree. We should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But we thank you that Jesus, God's son, took our place. We thank you for these things today. And we pray that we would live in the light of them. We ask it in Jesus' name.